1: Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God But finding in it, man, it's hard It's like trying to find God You're the only
0: one in your camp with cheese You pay for
1: everything they eat Man, that insecurity is deep No names, these are just
0: theories If you hear me, baby It's home, you must admit it's kind of eerie, baby Like Kim camp trails in
1: Well, well, welcome everybody To The Day with Trey I'm your host, Trey Holiday And we got a fantastic Friday lineup for you I'm so excited because of of course, it is a that Friday of the month where we get to tap in with our financial advisor, Kamaria Howard. She has some tips that she's gonna be sharing with us about things that we can do for our finances and for our families, let's set us up for those generational wealth building tools. And I'm going to wrap the show up with Cynthia Brothers from Vanishing Seattle. She is back in the building. It is yet another Vanishing Seattle segment. Of course, we're going to be learning about what's vanished, what's vanishing, what can we save, what's reopening, all of the good stuff. You know, her ears to the ground. On what's going on all throughout Seattle, so I'm so excited to dive in with her. Uh, and you know, at the top of the show, I actually have a little segment of Omari down there, down south, doing great work. Converges all over the map, y'all. So we'll be able to tap in with him. But of course, it's the top of the show, so it's a great time to tag and share the stream. Go ahead, y'all, tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the Day with Trey. And if you can't watch us, you can definitely listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network. The day with Trey, y'all. Will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it choose your favorite platform and search for us I'm sure you'll find us there shout out to everybody who's sharing the stream and sharing the podcast we appreciate you so much of course um, you know we've been talking about this but I want to make sure it is clear it is time to get your tickets for the nutcracker y'all that's right there it is get your tickets for the nutcracker Um, it's running November 25th through December 27th ending on a very special day of the year every year my birthday. That's right. So make sure you guys get your tickets today. It's a great family-friendly show. We'll be running our commercials, but I want to make it clear. This is the first time that I'm taking my son. So I'm so excited that we will be in the building getting all of the, you know, love and feels from the Nutcracker. It's a huge holiday favorite. Make sure you get your tickets today. Well, like I said, the other day I got to tap in with Omari, the big O down there. In Mississippi. Let's see what they're up to, y'all. What's up, everybody? It's your girl Trey Holiday, and I'm checking in with one of our converged crews down south. Big O is doing it big in Mississippi. What's up, Big O?
0: Hey, what's up, Trey Holiday, man? Yeah, tapping in today uh from Money, Mississippi, here on the San Kofe Impact Tour. Um, you know, the, the partner pilgrimage between San Kofe Impact and Choose 180. We're in New Orleans yesterday. And today we're in the Mississippi Delta and, man, Money, Mississippi. Um, And people, people who know, you know, Money, Mississippi, this right here, this is the spot. Brian's Grocery back in August of 1955, where a young Emmett Till, 14 years old, came to buy some candy. And woman made a claim that he flirted with her and he was uh, later abducted and murdered. And, you know, it was his murder and, and his mother's pursuit of justice. A lot of people say it was an early spark to the Civil Rights Movement. But we're right here in Mississippi at the site of Bryant's Grocery.
1: Wow, Omar, you guys are covering some major history down there. Shout out to this amazing collaboration, bringing our Converge crews all across America. How is it uh, feeling for you to be down there? I know you're such a history buff. This must be a major thing for you, too, personally, right, O?
0: yeah no, it's a good, it's a good thing. I mean, the best thing about being a filmmaker and the kind of films that we make is that it's always a learning experience some some general history, you know, I know, and I kind of pride in knowing, but being this granular, you know, really on the side of the road, you know all these different places that that we're going that we've been at, this is you know what I'm saying. It's been highly impactful um and not only for me, but for the rest of the crew, big shout out to Shaylon. McLennan, uh, Brady McAtee, Ike Everard, Winfield, Ezell. You know what I'm saying? We all out here just packing it in and, and literally driving through the, the, it ain't even no highways, it's byways and country roads down here through Mississippi.
1: Oh, well, I'm so glad you had a moment to tap in with us. And just a little teaser here. I mean, what should folks expect from this amazing project y'all are filming? Uh,
0: well, you know, I think what's going to come out of this collaboration between uh, Sankofa, Impact, Choose One Hundred and Eighty, and Converge Media, is a a film that is educational, but it's built for for consumption on a street level. I think a lot of times people go and they they make you know films and everything, which are great, and it's about history. But it's not really it's not really meant for the streets to consume. And that's really who needs to be consuming things right now. You know, we need our young people who's out here to really have an understanding of their history. And I think that that's something unique that Converge brings to this is to be able to to tell the amazing story and to be able to make it compelling to the youth. And so, yeah, you know, in a few months, we'll be back there with another screening. Wow.
1: What amazing job. Shout out to all of you out there. Uh, and I see you got the beanie on, but I promise you it's warmer over there than it is over here.
0: I don't know, my friend. We've been waking up it's been at 32, 33 degrees. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for this good soul food down here, we might be freezing.
1: <laughs> well, thanks so much for tapping in with us. So safe travels while you're all down there. Can't wait to see y'all when you return.
0: All right. See you soon, Trey Holiday.
1: Oh, that is what I'm talking about. I just love being able to spotlight the work of what all of our crews are doing here at Converge. You know, y'all know us for all of our studio shows and being out in community, but we are really taking stories throughout the country as opportunities for us to showcase what we do. So shout out to the entire crew that's out there with Big O. Thanks, Big O, for giving us some time and your busy schedule to check in with us. Um, but you know, guys, it's another film good and fantastic Friday. But it's also Finance Friday. That's right. So our finance resident expert, Kamaria Howard, is in the building. What's up, Kamaria? Good
2: morning. Hey, (laughs)
1: welcome back once again. Um, These segments have been proven to be very fruitful for folks. We've been going over some uh, questions that folks may have around, particularly insurance policies. And we know that insurance has been one of the staples of how so many families have built generational wealth uh, because they're about, you know, Living with the insurance is not just for a death benefit. So tell us what you're here to to, to drop some gems on us today for.
2: Um, so the death benefit we people ask about life insurance, like you said, is it just a death benefit? And there are policies that allow you to take cash out um, and use for whatever issue or whatever dream you have that you want to put it towards. Um, I would definitely sit with your financial um, advisor or professional, make sure you have the conversation around what types make sense for you. Um, There are ways to make sure that you don't have to pay taxes on that cash that you pull from the life insurance policy, um, as well as using for retirement in the future. So there's a lot of ways to diversify your portfolio with life insurance.
1: Yeah, this is something that I think I'm still learning. And right now we're in such a strong information age still that I find myself saving a lot of clips from like Instagram reels that are like, hey, this is how you do it. You need to trust an LLC. And then I, I, I came across one earlier this week that said, But if you're the one who has the idea for the trust, then technically you still own it. So now there's like entities that you can go through to get the trust so that you can create like a family bank. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm inundated with information. (laughs) And I really need to do another like session with a financial advisor. I'm going to be checking you out. (laughs) Um, But I really need to understand some of these things. What else should the people know about insurance?
2: Um, Well, when you have your insurance, you also want to make sure you make an appointment with an estate attorney. Um, to be able to do your the planning that involves your will and your trust um, and make sure that you know what exactly what's going to happen with that money when you're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is where folks start talking about the beneficiary, right? Mm-hmm. How do you choose a proper beneficiary? Because uh, another, some said, oh, well, you're making your kid your beneficiary, then they got to pay the taxes when you die. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> All of these things we need to know. But how do you choose a proper beneficiary?
2: So your beneficiary is going to be someone who, has um, interest in whatever it is you leave behind. So your kids, your mother, whoever is going to be taking care of your debts or your home or planning your funeral, um, those are people that have a an interest in being a beneficiary.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you want to make sure you choose right too, because I mean, you don't want nobody just running off with the money. This is real serious, especially because death benefit is oftentimes one of the largest payouts that any family really deals with. I remember um, my cousin died back in the day and, you know, know, someone had a a policy for her and it was like $30,000 and that was like a huge amount for Mm -hmm. the family to be able to receive afterwards. And I I just remember um, at the time being like, whoa, you know, that's like a huge chunk of money. And if you know what to do with that money, that can then become a way that you start to build wealth, right? Because if you're taking that money, of course, you're paying for funeral expenses and things like that. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, take the excess Mm -hmm. and do something beneficial with it, where now this asset is creating more assets. This is something I've been talking about for a long time, but it's also that these benefits allow for you to move into becoming an investor. Yeah. And it's like, if you act like you don't have it, but you really get with a financial advisor, a professional that can help you say, okay, here's how you can build on this money. That's really key, right?
2: For sure. Um, especially because with life insurance, you that is your legacy. And it can be your living legacy as well as the legacy of your passing. So when you leave your family, you're not just leaving debt behind. You're not just leaving memories, but you're leaving behind something that's going to build and uh, affect multiple generations after you.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the key. And this, again, is one of those like. Best kept secrets, yeah. right? I mean, one um, video that I seen recently, it was like, look, people just think insurance is for death, and it's like, nah, you can live off of insurance policies as well, because, like you said, there are certain policies you could get that you can draw cash out, you can build your, like you said, fund your dream, um, you know, fund another asset, right? That's gonna appreciate over time and create more assets for you. Yes. And I and I really want people to understand these topics because, again the purpose for us to have a finance Friday is so that people are, be, it's becoming normalized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that having those discussions help to do that. Do you see that in some of the clients you've been able to help where, you know, it's, it's like light bulbs going off mm-hmm. for them.
2: I do. Well, and having the conversation, a lot of people, especially younger people, they're like, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I don't have anything to really leave anybody. There's no reason. Um, but you can also leave money behind for charities or things that you think Uh, matter to you. So it doesn't have to go to a person. It can also go to a charity that matters to you that you can make a difference for in the future.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's so true. I mean, there's so many different causes out here that, you know, are really well worth, uh, you know, having a generous benefit come into to the charity. And I think about so many different community based organizations, because sometimes uh, folks think about the big name ones, right, yeah. the national kind of federal yeah. um, organizations, but There's some local ones, if that's why I'm always telling people to tap in to their local scene so that they know. Is there any other tip that, you know, in terms of questions that people are asking that we need to cover today?
2: Um, A lot of people want to know if, um, what insurance company they should go with. Um, And it really depends on your needs and the financial stability of that company. So you do want to do your research and see how stable they are, because you want to make sure that when you do pass, that money is actually going to be. Distributed to your family, and it's not with the company that won't have the means to do so at that time.
1: Oh, that's a whole nother layer to it, yeah. right there. I mean, in terms of some of that research, is this something that a lot of finance professionals are aware of in For terms sure. of market trends?
2: Yeah, their businesses. Is- should be able to tell them what their uh, score is. Every business has a score, including insurance. So um, everybody should know exactly what their company is doing. So you can ask them or you can Google it. It is um, public information.
1: Yeah. Oh, goodness. Always great having you on. We so appreciate you. And for y'all out there, you know, uh, one of our finance professional brought us an amazing pot right here. And this plan has been rocking strong. But now we got it matching the scene. And I'm loving it because I love me some yellow and green. Thank you so much for bringing that you're to so us welcome. today. Well, also, thank you for all of the information you're bringing and taking the time out of your schedule to come here on these Fridays to make sure our families are aware aware of ways that they can utilize life insurance to benefit them. You know, understanding this is so key. And again, making it conversational is really helping me every time you're on. So thank you so much. I'm sure it's helping others out there. We appreciate you. Look right there. Let folks know how they can tap in with you.
2: Sure. Um, I am at kamariahoward.nm.com or my email nm.com
1: right on. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Always. (laughs) Always a pleasure to learn more about our finances, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm trying to give y'all the game, give y'all the scoop here on the David Trey. And of course, that's going to continue because there's always something going on in Seattle. Margaret and our girl Cynthia Brothers from Vanishing Seattle is coming up next. She's going to be telling us about the spaces that unfortunately have closed. But then, of course, you know, we're going to leave you on a good note with some news that you can use about all of these spaces in Seattle. Stay tuned right after this short break, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey.
2: COVID-19 hurt my income, my health and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. Welcome back, everybody,
1: to The Day with Trey on this fantastic Friday. Of course, it's enough time for another Vanishing Seattle segment. Love it when my girl Cynthia Brothers is in the building. I call her Cindy, bro. What's up? Boo? Hey, Trey. Good morning. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, okay. We did not plan this, but this the Sonics is alive and well. I feel like, Indeed. you know... Uh, we got we got good, good vibes, good energy here. Yeah, on the Same wavelength. I'm apparently. telling you, that's a whole nother segment talking about bringing back the Sonics, man. The people that are working on that are so serious. And I love every second of it. I'm like, we need uh that team to come back. But I will say the storm has been killing it mm-hmm. for us doing such a great job. Anyways, we won't get into <laughs> basketball. Tell us about some of these spaces that we need to check in on. And, you know, I know we got to start with some of the ones that are already gone. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah. So to start off with the vanished spaces, um, one spot that just closed on October 25th is Joe Bar in Capitol Hill. Um, and that's been described as uh, Capitol Hill's living room. It's a cafe that's been around for about 25 years. And um, yeah, just a place that felt very community oriented, neighborhood vibe um did a lot of art exhibits so supported emerging artists a lot of uh cornish students regulars and residents that would you know drop in every day um apparently macklemore is a big (laughs) fan of joe bar cafe and um i went on their last or went to their last exhibit and they had a farewell party um on october 14th and it was just like people spilling out into the street and art covering the walls and Um, live music and you could just really feel the love in and for the space and yeah apparently they just had a situation that was untenable with their landlord and so they ended up getting displaced so um so many people messaged me about the closing of joe bar cafe that that was their spot and so they're just really heartbroken and um yeah, again, a kind of old Capitol Hill, you know, neighborhood spot. That's uh, just yeah, sad to see that go.
1: Man, and and
3: then we go, what is going to replace
1: it? Right? It's it. it, it I mean. I'm just the intentionality of building in our city has got to come to a brink, right? Where it's just like these spaces that are community hubs, beloved by so many. You know, for some odd reason, when when it seems like it's the landlord, and I feel like it's a lot of you know uh, landlords that are not familiar with the the feel and vibe of Seattle, the mm-hmm. the Seattle culture, right? Because. Part of me feels like if you really had a heart for that, you wouldn't even be thinking about it in terms of financial gain. You would actually build a relationship with your tenants and do something to make sure that they are there, you know, for the long term. And if you care about more revenue, find ways to help them make more revenue versus like trying to push them out. You know, I've got a mm-hmm. bunch of ideas yeah. about this. What's the next space?
3: Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's a bit of a theme here, but um, the next spot is Lucky Chinese. Um, which has been in Georgetown for about 15 years Mm -hmm. and they're having to close on November 30th because they have a new landlord that apparently tripled their rents. Super low key kind of mom and pop hole in the wall spot. A lot of people in the Georgetown area, like industrial workers and just um, yeah, folks in Georgetown would go there for lunch and super sweet family. Um, One of my favorites just really good, fresh and affordable um, classic Chinese American food. And one of the head cooks used to be at green village, which was like a legend in the international district for like 35 years. Mm. So the family is hoping to reopen. They just don't know where or when. <laughs> so folks have, you know, leads for them, let them know. But again, just a really awesome, you know, sweet restaurant, great family that's getting pushed out.
1: Well, the great thing about that, though, is that we can still go patron them right now. So I'm going to have to look up their menu, see if they have some good veggie or vegan options for me. You know, you know, it's a that's one of my favorites when I became vegan and, you know, almost 100 percent there, but Mm -hmm. really eating vegan it's like I go Asian all the time mm-hmm. because whether it's Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese, like, you know, Thai food, there's always options, right? Yeah. So I love that. I love that I can go there today and, yeah. you know, make sure I spend some money with them. I do think those kind of spaces are important for us to pour into as, mm-hmm. you know, local folks. And even for those, again, that maybe find themselves here for work or whatever, you know, becoming a fabric of the community is so key. But these spaces really are a great avenue to do just that. Right. Because yeah. like you said, Excuse me, like you said, a lot of folks are regulars at a lot of these spaces. So you can, you know, almost like cheers, you can go in, meet folks that are really, you know, tied to the area in a way that allows you to learn more about the area when you make those kind mm-hmm. of relationships happen. So
3: I-, I love it. Hey, I'll be yeah. there today.
1: Today, <laughs> yeah. thank the, you for the sharing hot and sour that. Sour Soup
3: is fire. <laughs> okay. And I really feel for them because they went through so much just going the ups and downs of being a small business during the pandemic. They had a couple break ins, survived mm-hmm. all of that. I just did a not vanishing post on them about like less than a year ago. And then, you know, here we are, this happens, but, are. but yeah, do check them out while they're still open.
1: Well, also too, I think it's, um, it's, it feels illegal to come in as a tenant and triple rent on a small business. Right? I mean, it's like, you know, this is why the rent control movement is so strong in Seattle. And it's like, come on, As city council and the mayor's office is working on their budget and things like that. We keep losing great spaces because there's no form of rent control here. Mm-hmm. And it is a major problem. And honestly, we can learn from other states that are progressive as well. New York has a really strong way of doing this, other parts of the country, but we need to learn something here because mm-hmm. that just seems illegal yeah. for somebody to come in and price gouge I like agree. that. It's- I agree. It's unfortunate. And you know me, I'd be wanting to get on a shaming campaign. I'm like, who is this landlord? You and me both. Yeah.
3: Name and shame. Yeah. 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 So
1: so what's the next space?
3: Um, So the next space is a longstanding music venue on East Lake called the Victory Lounge. Um, It's been around for in some form for about 25 years. The building uh, was actually constructed in 1918 and it's been a tavern of some sort going back to the 40s. And then in the 1970s, it was the Lobo Inn. Um, And then in the late 90s, the current owner bought it, turned it into the Lobo Saloon. Um, It became a music venue somewhere along the way and then became the Victory Lounge. And the current owner has been involved in um, the music scene for a long time. He's from Seattle, went to Franklin, used to co-own the old Fun House that was on Fifth Avenue North, close to the Seattle Center. They got displaced for redevelopment. and yeah, like Victory Lounge, it's next to Lo-Fi and Black Lodge. You've got, you know, um, the new fun house in El Corazon, which used to be the off-ramp down the way. Used to have the storeroom and Mars Bar. Like, there's this really rich history of, um, like, dive bars and kind of, like, more gritty music venues that have supported a lot of um, both, you know, local and and touring uh, bands and music. A lot of punk bands play there. Um And yeah, they're in a similar situation where they have a new landlord and they're having to close at the end of this year because they can't, it's not a good, Mm. (laughs) uh, situation. And they're, you know, basically, um, getting pushed out and they're planning to have, um, a big new year's Eve, uh, kind of blowout party. Most of their staff are musicians and artists themselves. So similar to when the original fun house closed, they're going to, um, yeah, have a big show with, uh, bands of all their, uh, staff members. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a great kind of, again, like old Seattle kind of low key, but very supportive family feeling music venue that, um, yeah, is going to be closing at the end of the year. So it's a real bummer.
1: Oh goodness. Uh, I'm ready for the uptick. I mean, this is for me, even if I've never stepped foot in these spaces, the fact that we have had such a great eclectic kind of uh, community in Seattle. There's spaces for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And there's spaces where you feel like, man, this is my spot. And it's just unfortunate that Anybody who felt like this was their spot, they're not going to have it anymore. And that for me is like it's like a big blow to the city. Mm-hmm. And also there's something unique about spaces like this. They're mm-hmm. not chains. They're not, you, you can't find them anywhere else in the country. That should mean something, right? And it's just, it, it sickens mm-hmm. me that it doesn't, right? It's just one of those things where I'm like, man, that's, you know, it's just unfortunate. It's, mm-hmm. they, you know, beyond unfortunate. So, you know, shout out to them for holding through, for the rest of the year and being able to do this amazing party. That's something we could celebrate right there. Yeah. What's the next space, Cindy, bro?
3: Yeah. So the next spot is kind of one to keep an eye on. Um, it's the Madkin Apartments. And um, they recently were bought by a private company and the tenants are trying to organize um, in order to keep their um, apartment affordable. It's like super affordable right now um, and basically um, prevent their own displacement. Um, So the building was constructed in 1905. I think Converge actually did uh, Mm. a short film on it recently. Um, But up until it was bought by this private company, it was owned by three different generations of black Seattleites. Um, William Hawkins in the late 40s owned it, and it was rumored that there was like a speakeasy or a club in the basement. And then in the 50s, it was owned by Robert and Esther Madkin, who the building is named after. Uh, They were both very active in the local civil rights movement. Um, Esther was a treasurer of a local NAACP and she hosted Rosa Parks in 1956 when she was doing a press conference for the um, Montgomery bus boycott um, at the Madkin. She was at the Madkin. Um, And Esther also had a role in starting the um, Central Area Mental Health Center. Um, So a lot of history in that building. And then starting in the late 70s, it was bought and owned by Fally Tyson, who intentionally kept rents low and had a family approach to managing the building. He also had a couple small businesses and he employed some of the residents of the building. So that enabled seniors, um, low income folks, families to um, put down roots in that building. And some of the tenants have been there for over 40 years. Um, so unfortunately, family passed in 2020, and the tenants were trying to get it bought by like a nonprofit or um, just basically keep it out of like private hands but it was uh purchased by bode or the stratford company which has a dismal (laughs) record of just landlord violations um economic evictions and some of their prior buildings um they used to own the old city hall in tacoma and tacoma had to buy it back from them because they let the building fall into disrepair And since they've taken over, there's just been like a laundry list of issues that the tenants have reported, water shutoffs, heat shutoffs, um, washers and dryers being removed with no notice, and just like being unable to get any sort of communication around like when the stuff is going to be resolved. It's like pulling teeth with them Mm -hmm. apparently. So in terms of how the public can help, um, I think just keeping track of the organizing efforts of the tenants um they're asking for any lawyers that have experience with navigating um state like potential uh state landlord violations asking folks to support initiative uh 135 that's coming up in february to establish a public developer um, to hopefully prevent more cases like this and then also uh getting support from city council members especially Shama Sawant, who is um in their district to, you know, explore options for holding um, the landlord accountable. And if there's ways for like the city to buy that property and just protect. Um, yeah, protect that building and its long standing tenants. So you can follow what they're doing at Save dot com or Save the Madkin on social media. So, oh, wow. yeah. There's a lot going on there.
1: <laughs> man, but you know, I love these kind of stories because they're like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we are going to rally together. We yes. are going to work in a collective way. And it uplifts my heart so much because that's what's needed. And I think of that for every space. And, you know, I go there mm-hmm. every time mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, you know, how can patrons of businesses, how can folks like this, the residents rally together? Because mm-hmm. really it takes somebody or some entity, a group of folks to step out and be the advocates for these spaces, right? Otherwise, a lot of these real estate deals happen, right? I mean, if you weren't here to tell us about this, I would not know about these spaces, right? And the, the changes that they're going through. So it's a real, real uplift for me mm-hmm. to hear that they're like, wait a minute, you know, you are violating our our rights as tenants. Something has to be done about this and, you know, put, pushing it back a little bit. And I think that's really key and important. I also uh, think that when we think about uh, community developers, we need real funding for community developers so that they mm-hmm. can, at the drop of a dime, buy spaces like this to mm-hmm. hold the history there to, to keep the rents affordable. I think about, uh, you know, several development projects that I've been on with Africatown Community Land Trust and the leaps that, you know, the, the land trust has to go through just to do their job, just to do the work that they're here to do. It's like, it, it's, it's great because they're getting to a space where like, all right, first you have to have the balance sheet. You know, you got to show that you've done this before. You got to have, you know, properties under your belt that you own. Um, so it's taken some years to get there. And I think when, when there's funding, at the city and state level to really make sure that these entities are moving at a high capacity where it's like, man, they are able to say, okay, no, based on what we've shown that we're actually up for being able to purchase a space like this Mm -hmm. and, and really solve this for those tenants. So uh, there's so many things that my brain goes through as you were talking. I'm just loving the fact that they're not just like, oh man, you know, too bad for us. They're really still fighting. That's great to Mm -hmm. hear. Uh, What's the last space up for us today?
3: Yeah, so the last spot is um, kind of vanishing, but not really. <laughs> and um, it's the Bryant Manor Apartments on 18th and Yesler. And since uh, November 3rd was just uh, Proclaimed Sir Mix-a-Lot Day in King County, I thought <laughs> this would be a fun one to talk about. Um, yeah, it was Proclaimed Sir Mixalot a lot Day for his artistic and philanthropic contributions and also Sir Mix-a-Lot was a big champion for uh, music venues and for musicians and artists uh, during the Keep Live campaign um, during the pandemic. Um, Yeah. So Bryant Manor is where Sir Mix-a-Lot grew up um, and it's, it was constructed I think in 1972 and at the time, I think in the late 60s, the first AME church got together and formed a housing corporation so they would be able to develop and buy and own buildings um, serving uh, the community in the Central District, low-income community. It was intentionally meant for Black and immigrant and people of color. Um, and so fast forward, the buildings are um, aging So there's a a sign up there now that they are going to be redeveloped, I think, in 2024, but they're going to replace the buildings um, with uh, new buildings and even more units that are meant to be affordable and for low-income families, large households. Um, It's also going to include the Ache um, Early Learning Center. And um, yeah, I think it's great that even though, you know, it's kind of the original is (laughs) going away and getting redeveloped, it's still under... Um, AME's housing's ownership and still, you know, intended to be for the community. And another key thing is that it's going to have, I think, up to four bedrooms. So, it's meant to serve large families or just families, Mm -hmm. which there's a huge shortage of in Seattle, of course, um, a lot of um, efficiency units or studios, but not a lot for, you know, folks who have kids or just need more space. So, it's a it's a, and I've gotten, you know, a fair amount of comments from folks who grew up in Bryant Manor saying that it's um, kind of bittersweet because they you know have good memories growing up there. But it's great to see that it's still under community ownership and is going to be coming back with even more. Units.
1: Yeah, I love this story because, of course, I mean, you talk about the Brian Manor. Almost any kid who grew up in the Central District, uh, myself included, we had family that lived there, and I, I was fascinated by the design because they had mm-hmm. four stories, right? Like they have townhouses that I would go up and then go up again and go <laughs> up again and go up again. I was like, man, they had my my cousins lived there, and I would go and and visit them, and you know, they they were uh, tall. They were Mm -hmm. tall units, but also it is such a a great um, story here that we get to end on because, you know, they are being intentional to make sure that, you know, people can still uh, come back. I think that we saw, you know when it came to like Gessler Terrace and Holly Park, we've already seen how it can go wrong Mm -hmm. and how the families that were originally there no longer have the credentials to move back. And so I think that they've been able to learn uh, from some of those mishaps um, to really ensure that this is a space where it's like, no, you know, we know families will be displaced while we redevelop. However, we really want to still make sure that you know, those families and more can return. And I, I love that um, their approach has been very community centric. Um, and this is a great example of a lot of the churches that have property being able to do something with that property that's going to be a great benefit to community mm-hmm. uh, versus selling it off to the highest bidder which i think is you know it, well, there's ways to do that when you you could sell it off into a community developer i think about what um, uh, mount calvary did you know mm-hmm. what garner global so there's ways to do it but again um, this is a really great example that we get to end on a, a light note here and and i know so many families who grew up there that was the, the that was the, the stopping ground yeah. yeah that was the stop- <laughs> now you're talking my language well of course i want to give you a second to make sure folks know how to tap in with you everything that vanishing seattle is covering and doing
3: yeah well and thank you so much for adding that too i know you have so much experience in this area and so it's it's nice to you know see successful examples of community driven um development so yeah thank you for 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 that um yeah so folks can get a hold of me at vanishingseattle.org Vanishing Seattle at Gmail or Vanishing Seattle on Instagram and Facebook. Please feel free to message me and let me know what you're seeing in your neighborhood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is such a great, great way of community pouring in. I love when you say like, man, people are messaging me, telling me stories. That right there, you have a whole plethora of like things that I'm sure in terms of stories from these spaces, that's like a whole documentary probably. (laughs) And I just recently connected with our girl SJT Stephanie Johnson-Tolliver mm-hmm. over at uh, yes. Black Heritage Society. And she said, well, I need to get with Cynthia. Yeah, we, that, yeah, you know, we. I mean, because <laughs> that would be her. a phenomenal project because mm-hmm. she has, uh, they have over there so much history yes. with a lot of these spaces. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you you, you do such a great job with the research and they already have so much. I can only imagine how that compilation would work together. So yeah, I'm so
3: grateful I, I, for Miss Stephanie. Yeah, it's, yeah, She's just such a wealth of knowledge and I've learned so much every time I get to have a conversation with her. Yeah, so, I told her, yeah, I said, fun.
1: no, you're not doing that project without me. I want to be involved because yeah. <laughs> I, I love the idea and I love learning more about these amazing spaces in our community. So thank you so Absolutely. much for covering this for us. Oh my goodness, you guys, I know we're over time, but right after this short break, I get to wrap all of this beautiful Friday-ness up for you. Stay tuned, you guys. You're watching The Day with Trey.
2: Join us this holiday season at the Fifth Avenue Theater and feel the power of love overflowing with the whist. Filled with soaring soul and R&B songs. It's an effervescent explosion of music, dance, and magic your whole family will love. Ease on down the yellow brick road with Dorothy as she learns home isn't really where you live. It's who you love. The Wiz at the Fifth Avenue Theater. November 19th through December 23rd. Tickets at
3: fifthavenue.org. My name is Noni Irvin and I am the creator and founder of Kanar Park Kids. As well as the president of our sister nonprofit, Black Four Charities, a 501c3 fiscally sponsored by Shunpike. Together, we are hosting the Kwanzaa Awards because it is important that we acknowledge and recognize the contributions and efforts of individuals and organizations who are showing us what the Kwanzaa principles look like throughout the year. The nomination window is open October 1st to November 30th. And yes, you can submit more than one nomination. Eligibility is simple. Individual award recipients must identify as Black, African-American, or Pan-African. And organization award recipients must be 100% Black-owned if for-profit or 100% Black-led if nonprofit.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. What a great way to wrap up a fantastic week. Shout out to all of the guests throughout this week and to all of you who've been tuning in this week. It's been great to be here. And I got to give a huge shout out to our director of the day. Matt is holding it down while Cuddy is getting it going down there in Portland. You guys, I'm telling you, we are all over the place. But Matt was like, I got you. He stepped up and I just appreciate him for being here today. Uh, Again, I want to tell all of you, you know, that be inspired, man. I'm so inspired by the financial gems that Kamaria drops here on our Finance Fridays, as well as all of the great knowledge that Cynthia Brothers brings us from Vanishing Seattle. You guys can see that these are two ladies who are doing their thing in terms of the ways that they can see themselves as a part of the solution. Y'all know I'm inspired and I want you to be inspired to do the same. At the end of the day, when we're all doing our part to be a part of the solution. I promise you the world will be a better place. So for me y'all until Monday at 11 a.m. Peace. <laughs>